Oh, I guess I have to open the music too. Hmm. Oh, delivery. I'm not. I mean, they've been at, they've been ringing whoever's bell all fucking oh. day. So, well, it's good to get your bell rung every once in a while. <laughs> Occasionally on a Tuesday. <laughs> well, good morning. Yeah. Hello, everyone. This is Lawrence Lewis, and this is Sister Christian. As she said, today is Tuesday, October 13th, 2020. Yeah, we're recording this a couple days early because, you know, schedules. This is the Producers Happy Hour. It's a weekly podcast with two producers on opposite coasts. Christian is in lovely New York City. I'm in lovely Los Angeles. We're exploring what it means to be a good producer week by week, especially as we're coming out of the shutdown and navigating the coronavirus. I'm going to say that, you know, maybe we're exploring how to be a mediocre producer. <laughs> no, 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 Sister Christian. How dare you? Okay. Well, we take that back. I will well, take you know, that back because, you know, I'm not feeling it today, but I'm telling you, maybe by the end of the show, we'll uh, I'll have perked up. It's good to express that because, oh, you yeah. know, the thing with social media and, you know, podcasts and all this kind of stuff is like, we're amazing. Listen to us. But you know <laughs> like what? <us. laughs> the reality is we're just people and we're just trying to figure it out like everybody else. I know. And I uh, today's a rough one and we'll get into that in a minute. But more to the point, we find ourselves being asked to take on greater responsibilities from a variety of guidelines created by multiple sources. It's maddening. Yes. Uh, now more than ever, it's important for us to keep sharing our experiences and ideas because we're all having completely different experiences right yeah. now on sets. So send us your stories. Share them with us. We love voice memos. Send it to us at producershappyhour at gmail.com. Let us know, are you working? If you are, how? How are you keeping your crew safe? What does it all look like to you? And please rate the show on Apple Podcasts. Please share the show with your friends, your colleagues, your you know second cousin from somewhere that you always forget to mention mm. um we want these stories to be heard it seems like we're doing a pretty good job in this industry of getting back to work right now but even looking at our government right now they're not <laughs> they're not doing a very good job of getting back to work like could you imagine somebody showing up on set who had just recently tested positive uh-huh i've heard those stories uh-huh christian today we have that i think is going to be another two-parter episode oh, interview really? Yeah, with Sherry Wilder, who... Oh, yes, people, we, it was like an hour and a half long. Yeah, Yeah, we recorded it. was a long interview because there was a lot to talk about. Sherry Wilder is known around these parts as Bidzilla. She yes. is a freelance bidding producer that has you know been in the industry as long as Christian and I have and has been... She bops around from major company to major company, bidding all these massive campaigns, and she's uh, she's the go-to uh, when people are inundated. That's who they call. I remember right after our interview, I was telling Sasha, I was like, "Oh, she had the. I mean, like even the job she was bidding when when mm. we all went dark <laughs> sounded like some massive thing that would have taken, yeah. you know, two months to bid. So I'm sure she whipped yeah, it out like yeah, that. Yeah. But yeah." Totally. Total professional. And much in the same way as our conversation with KJ, we first start talking about coronavirus and what it means to be working in this industry at this time. And then, of course, we wander on over into the unavoidable conversation of systemic racism in our industry. Mm -hmm. Because Sherry is a black woman working in film production, she has, uh, she has a lot to talk about. She has a lot to say. So we took the time to give her the floor and we listened and learned. 
Yeah, which is all we should be doing. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it was such a pleasure to speak with her, too, and to the unapologetic, no-excuse-making, balls-to-the-wall yeah. attitude yep. that she has is, like, my favorite kind of person. So it was really great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we do keep the same company. Mm-hmm. Christian, how are you doing? Oh, uh, kill me right now, feeling, everyone. <laughs> feeling like a, a mediocre producer today instead of well, a top professional? Well, let's get that straight. I'll always be a fantastic producer. Exactly. I, maybe I'm just there feeling like a mediocre person today. And I'll say that because okay. Sunday night I produced a remote shoot in Korea. It was a continuation of a jo- previous job. Three weeks of editing and then... One more day in Korea, and then boom. So, you know, it started at midnight, our time on Sunday night, and went until around 3 a.m. So that's off schedule. And then the next job happens to have a Japanese client agency. So I've been up periodically throughout the nights for that as well. So I'm just knackered right now because my director is in L.A. at this point. And that Mm. time span is 15 to 16 hours. I have to get everything to them by end of day, but they may have something that happens to the night. So I've been setting alarms just to check, you know, emails oh, and geez. stuff. And I'm just done. But that, that the point is, is that <sighs> I'm not apologizing anymore for if it's insensitive for me to say that I'm exhausted because I am. Yeah. And I can't help that somebody is or isn't working at this point or what they've chose to do or not do. I've unfortunately am exhausted from this new way of working that we're doing. And it is just, it's, I don't see an end in sight. This is what's, if this is, this becomes a new norm. This is <laughs> this, the new norm. This is it. I know. Here we are. Here we are. Yeah. A friend of mine had uh, their first day back to work in a, you know, boots on the ground shoot. And same thing it was like, wow. Okay. That's a lot. a lot. The whole all the COVID compliance, mm-hmm. all the, just all the thinking about how to keep everybody safe. And then you show up and everyone's got masks on and everyone's kind of miserable. I mean, everyone's happy to be working. Don't get me wrong. It's just a different mood on set. Yeah, it's a, yeah, yeah it is. And um, we're in charge of everyone's safety. <laughs> how are you, Lawrence? <laughs> I'm fine. I love fine. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm Everything's fine. Yes. I don't know what else to say. The day-to-day, I feel like it's feeling much more normal. But then when you start digging into like, oh my God, work, am I working? If I am working, I'm over my head and looking at the news and the politics, all that is still yeah, pretty tragic. You, you start to turtle a little bit. Um, I've decided that I'm going to go back to therapy. Oh, yeah. Nice. I got, I got the good. name of somebody who handles busy, important boss ladies. <laughs> <laughs> I know, perfect. I'm so excited. She's going to totally put me in my place. I'm excited. I'm excited. So, yeah. And now that everything is virtual, why not? Yeah, you can make the time. It's good to hear you say that and be so open about it because, you know, there is such a stigma with mental health and we shouldn't be ashamed. Of oh, I'm that. not. Because <laughs> yes, these please. therapy sessions we've been doing for the last six months, I need to take it to the next level. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, our own <laughs> personal happy hour. Yeah. <laughs> There's a couple news items I wanted to talk about before we get to the first part of the interview with Sherry. Lay them on us. The big news of the day, Christian, and a portion of the story ties to your neck of the woods because theaters are having major, major problems. And yeah. 
there was an article in Variety, I think it was yesterday, that the fate of the global movie business, this is called clickbait, may hinge on <laughs> Andrew Cuomo. Yeah. I mean, that guy, <laughs> where would we be without him? <laughs> yeah. But apparently what they're doing is some movie theaters, I, I think mostly Regal Cinemas, have been putting on the billboards, 48 states have reopened theaters safely. Why not New York, Governor Cuomo? So there's some tension there, and uh, there's a growing sense of desperation, according mm -hmm. to this article. And it's a fear that is radiating all the way to Hollywood, according to this article, which is trying to figure out a way to profitably release blockbusters when these markets have been closed. This kind of reminds me of, do you remember when Pearl Jam and Metallica and everybody had like these fights against... Companies uh -huh. like LimeWire and, um, and Ticketmaster Nap and everything. Napster. Yeah, yeah, but then eventually now it's all just streaming services and musicians don't make money anymore, mm -hmm. basically. This is kind of what this is. the blockbusters are going to, is what I think is what this feels like. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, which, which is <laughs> then scary. Is, I hear you. It's scary because art, block, mm -hmm. blockbusters are what mm -hmm. pay for any... Everything movie below 30 million dollars mm -hmm. so that's kind of scary to think that you know little 30 million dollar comedy movies won't you know they won't risk making them as often because they don't have the big blockbusters kind of right. raking in all the money to cover the losses of right of the misfires right which that kind it's of fear just limits creativity well the desire to have new content beautiful, huge action flicks, you know, that desire is still there in people. I think the formula isn't yet. So yeah. I think we'll have to go through a couple of, um, you know, skin sheddings <laughs> in order to get back <laughs> to where we were. <laughs> we'll yeah. see. We'll see. But uh, Regal Cinema's second largest theater chain in the U.S. with 536 theaters, over 7,000 screens, mm. will officially shut all its doors in the United States for the second time during the pandemic. Doesn't say if this is a permanent shutter. I guess we'll find out. Yeah, that's uh, that's a big deal. And then the other one that came out today was AMC Theaters. This is in Hollywood Reporter. AMC Theaters says cash resources to be largely depleted by the end of 2020, early 2021. Yeah. You know, it, it's not surprising because this has happened to all of us. We've all uh, yeah. used our savings. I yep. mean, there's only so far nine months, you know, eight to nine months can stretch. And so, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I just wonder here, how much they have in the kitty. Exactly. For some of them, it's hitting the fan, which is a major bummer. So I'm going to play happy music instead. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Which means it's time for our interview, Christian. <laughs> did I leave it? Did I leave it on a sour note? Uh, well, no. I mean, I think that it's what we're all feeling. You know, That's I true. mean, we're trying to get back to work, and I'm, you know, our. The other thing I ordered was a pool noodle. <laughs> That's a little foreshadowing for you. Folks. That's a little foreshadowing. <laughs> Pay attention to this interview with Sherry Wilder Bidzilla. But first, go to our website. Go to the Do the Work page. Mm -hmm. We made a page on our website with anti-racism resources for you to educate yourself on the issues of racism that have long played your society and our industry, to be honest. And right now, people mm -hmm. are just, you know, scrambling to figure out what could we be doing when we should have, you know... 
I'm glad that there's awareness there. And uh, foreshadowing it to part two of Sherry's interview, it's like, are these conversations just talking or are we seeing action happen? So, Right. We'll... Did you make yourself feel better or did you actually do something? Yes. And also on our website is the Take Action page, which we have a lot of information on there. It's mutated. It started with a lot of financial resources for people that were struggling in the pandemic. It also moved to things where you could help donate or contribute to other people or other causes. And now it's got a lot of voting resources on there. We Got the Vote, which is a fundraising program to help clear the fines of people in Florida who have served their debt to society so they can have the right to vote back as they should. Better Know a Ballot is Stephen Colbert's website that collects all voter information for every state in our country, so you can easily access information about voting in your location. Power to the polls if you can volunteer to be a poll worker this season. And also postcard to swing states. It might be a little late, but if you can get them in time, write them up and get them out to help convince people in swing states to get to the polls. On to our interview with Sherry Wilder. Sherry's an experienced bidding producer with a demonstrated history of working in the commercial production industry. I believe she said she's been doing it. I know it says 20 plus years, but we were talking about Mm -hmm. the (laughs) (laughs) mid-90s. Skilled in foreign and domestic budgets of all levels, proficient in live events, VR, AR, and post-production estimating. She does it all. She does it all. She's a strong bidding professional with over 20 years experience. Let's take a listen. I stopped counting at 20 as well. Yeah. (laughs) So at first, we like to ask how you're doing, where you're located, how is your health, how's your family? I'm Sherry Wilder. I'm in Los Angeles. I am a freelance bidding producer in commercials. And luckily, no one in my household has been infected. I live with my partner. He actually works in super frontline Yours for DHL. Oh, wow. So we've been incredibly lucky. Well, thank goodness. <laughs> I bet he sees a lot, though, <laughs> out there every day yeah, like and delivering to people who... Luckily works oh. in the warehouse, okay. so he doesn't have to go out. So he's a forklift operator. So he's mostly in the warehouse. And at least I know that they all wear mm-hmm. PPE and social distance and he's got face shields and all that kind of stuff. So I I know that he is safe. So good. that's a good thing. Good. Well, I'm... Glad to hear you guys are both safe. So I want to talk about just real quick, because it is a unique thing that you do, full-time freelance bidder. And uh, you've come up with this amazing moniker that is great marketing (laughs) and great way for people to know you, Bidzilla. How did you come up (laughs) with that? And how did you just kind of land the most on-call freelance bidder in, in all of West Coast? Yeah, I moved up the ranks same way most people do. I was a PA and then I was, you know, PA'd on set. I PA'd all different genres. I did television and I did a couple features in LA. I never went anywhere on a feature because I got to work on The Long Kiss Goodnight and I worked on True Lies. But Oh, I love Sam Jackson. I love that movie. Which all of those sh- those movies yeah. were awesome. But I was like post PA on one and prep PA on the other in LA. And I never got to go anywhere and meet anybody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Except for I did meet Big Jim, wow. which was crazy to mm-hmm. meet Jim Cameron. Yeah, he was kind of scary. Anyway, so I did all of that, and I was the PA on commercials standing outside the mower home going, what are you doing in there? Uh, yep. What, what, what's, what's, what's that? that? What's a budget? You know? <laughs> what's, oh, you have a com- you have computers? <laughs> are, what are yeah, you guys doing? Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, so I was that PA. They were like, would you please go pick up some trash and lock things up? I'm like, I no, want to know what you're doing. doing. That was exactly me. I don't want to yeah. pick up trash. <laughs> so, yeah, I was not a very good PA because I didn't pick up trash. Anyway, 
So I managed to start coordinating and and be a staff. Like I got hired on staff. PA moved up really fast to court, like within weeks because they hired me and they're like, oh, yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. So she's smart enough to do something else. And got lucky. And I worked for a woman called Cindy Akins. And you guys have all been in the business for longer than, mm-hmm. you know, 25 yeah. plus years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm working on almost 30 uh, years in the uh-huh. business, right? So Cindy was one of the lions in the beginning of the industry. She worked for Tony mm-hmm. Scott and Ridley Scott for years. She ran RSA. She ran propaganda oh, yeah. for a hot minute. She sort of moved over to a smaller company when she wanted Mm -hmm. to slow it down. And I happened to meet her and she was willing to teach me. The woman who was the production manager, she wasn't fond of, but I don't think she was that fond of me either because I don't think she likes anybody, but she thought I was smart enough to learn how to bid. And she essentially threw me Mm -hmm. in the deep end and said, here's a budget, figure out how to do it. And my very first commercial is one that is still seen, still in funniest commercials when they run funniest commercials from like the early 90s i did the hostess commercials with the lady on the inner tube that had the like swirl that made her look like a cupcake Uh and then the shark would come and bump (laughs) Uh her you know and she would go flying (laughs) right so i did those commercials and david bishop Mm. was the director and that was like in 1993 Mm -hmm. yeah 1993 and so i learned how to bid then and the movie Godzilla came out. Oh, with Matthew Broderick? Well. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So Zilla was on yeah. everything. Uh, Taco and Bell. by the time, like, we were, <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, we right. called everything mm-hmm. Zilla. Like, you know, I'm doing a Podzilla cast today for Zilla <laughs> people. You know, like, everything became Zilla. I'm, you know, I have a conference call Zilla for BBDO Zilla. You know, like, we just, I just, my friends and I would just put Zilla on everything. By the time I left Atherton and went to Omaha for a hot mm-hmm. minute, Diane McCarter, they were all, people were teasing me about Bidzilla. And then I left Omaha after about 10 months with them and went to Alex Blum's company and worked oh, headquarters. I was at headquarters for three months. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. I was at headquarters so, too from like you, in like 2002-ish maybe. So like you were right commercials in New York. Yeah. I worked for headquarters mm-hmm. from 99 to the end of 2001 mm-hmm. and was unceremoniously let go. But that's a story I'll tell another day. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Mooney didn't do it via guitar? <laughs> no, Tom Mooney and I got on really well. It yeah, was not Tom's him. Great. Mm-hmm. The, a variety of things, which I think has to do with bigger issues in, you know, being an African-American mm-hmm. woman who doesn't suffer fools and knows how to speak up for what she wants, when she wants, and how she wants it. And sort yes. of didn't care about 40-year-old men when I'm a 29, 30-year-old girl and mm. F you and the horse she rode in on. But yes. <laughs> Andrew Denyer kept calling me Bidzilla with that British <laughs> accent. Okay, Bidzilla. And then email got invented, right? Because right. email uh-huh. just got invented. So <laughs> I was like, well, here we go. And then, you know, you could have a personalized license plate. So why not? Right. So when my email got invented, I got Bidzilla. And then when you realize you had to secure Bidzilla right. on every platform to keep that, I did that. So I, I became Bidzilla for everything. 
And so people to this day, vendors, you know, mm-hmm. when people say, oh, you're Bidzilla, you know, if I call and they're, you know, <laughs> I need your email and I'm like, they're like, oh, you're in the system, you're Bidzilla, you know, all that, yeah. which really is helpful. And obviously it's my license plate. So I am not incognito. <laughs> a thousand years I had a, a Jeep Grand Cherokee. And mm-hmm. so you always see, you know, the big Jeep with Bidzilla license plates, you know. So now I have a little teeny Honda and it's actually kind of funny. <laughs> a, little grape, a little purple grape with Bidzilla now. So you got into this bidding flow. Mm-hmm. It just clicked with you and you just loved it? I think it literally was one of those things like Cindy believed that I was smart enough to figure this out. And she mm-hmm. sort of saw that, you know, it wasn't about math and the numbers because bidding is never about math no. and the numbers, mm-hmm. right? No. It's about the thought process and the creativity. Mm-hmm. You have to understand how to, fit all the people in for all the pieces and parts and places. I mean, cause literally, you know, the bidders, you essentially are figuring out the entire job for everyone first. For, yep. Yes. For the, You've got to yep. figure out how many people, how many places, how do we get them there? How do we cast it? How do we find a location? How do we secure a location? Who goes where, when, how, what, right? Before I was a bidder, it used to be, who do you know who can, right? That's the question uh-huh. we ask in commercials the most. Mm-hmm. Who do you know who can, do X, dot, dot, Y, dot. and Z, right? Yeah. And before the advent of the internet, because we started working in this business before right. there was the internet, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You always had to know who can't. Mm-hmm. And so I had like lists of things and mm-hmm. I had phone lists and, you know, at least contact lists of people who can. And so I think that was also how I was able to stay creative. I knew enough people who can and I knew they all had to be on a shoot at some point. Even if it wasn't my people, I knew those pe- that group of people had to fit in. So I figured it was like a puzzle. And it was enjoyable to me to figure out the puzzle. We used to have it in our original show open. It's more than numbers on a spreadsheet, producing, bidding, all of it. And mm-hmm. as friends of mine, you know, PMs of mine started to kind of get asked to bid jobs, you know, and they say, how do you bid? Like, can you walk my mouth? like, close your eyes right. and produce the job. Right. Yeah. And, and really... You could probably name every head of production in town in L.A. right now and a couple in New York. I trained them. You could probably name a whole (laughs) lot of EPs right now who were coordinators when I was head of production at either headquarters, Omaha, or Atherton. You can name a whole lot of people who never did anything and who bypassed me and Mm -hmm. are doing all kinds of good stuff. So, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. half doing it, probably. Yeah. But speaking of shifts and moving around and how the industries change, we're in a whole new era yeah. of film production. Mm-hmm. And so I know we have a lot to talk about, but I do want to dive into this a little bit and talk about the new cost of filming under these COVID compliance. I can't call them mandates yet, but... Uh, well, they kind of are. We they sort are. of have mm-hmm. a mandate now because the white paper and the return to work thing sort of has dictated how and when mm-hmm. and what. And it's interesting because I did read the page, even though I didn't write you the notes that you needed to start this page. (laughs) One of the the very first things you asked like to think about is, have you shifted your thought and have you shifted your job? What was the pivot? So I pivoted because honestly, you know, freaking out in the pandemic, I got certified as a COVID compliance Mm -hmm. officer Mm -hmm. because why not in June and July when I was trying to decide, like, and EDD was not paying people yet. Nope. And you were in that, like, oh, my God, I'm going to become homeless on the street. Right. Yeah. My mom's like, well, <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> I know, but oh, my God. Right. So <laughs> all of that. I now work in television. I am a COVID supervisor on mm-hmm. a television show right now. 
now it's, it's still a freelance job and right. but it's just one that went from august to december which yay to get paid you know for exactly. four months so mm-hmm. it's yes but it's a lot of work it's really hard and it's half our rate <laughs> you know, half, my, half my rate yeah oh. and well, it's 14 hour days and mm-hmm. you know, and you're um yeah. basically asking adults to comply to things that they may or may not want to do, but you're also in charge of their safety and in yes. some respects. So it- my new <laughs> mantra is I'm here to make you safe, not happy. Um, and yeah, I think we should have t-shirts. Yeah. Well, yeah. I need a mask. I need my mask yeah. to say, oh, yeah, I'm here to that. make you safe, not yeah. happy. Oh, and I, I walk around that. with a pool noodle because a pool noodle is about Six four feet. and a half. It, it, it's about four and a half, almost five feet long. And if two people hold a pool noodle, the distance from your elbow to your hand on each of you uh-huh. makes six feet. So I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. And you know, this is hard. So we have to find ways to like amuse ourselves and still make it work. Yeah. What I have found though, to answer the question about cost and how you do this is it is ridiculously expensive. Yes. I watched all the people who invented all of the, you know, clean sets, pure sets, all of the people who are selling yeah. PPE mm-hmm. now, the producers who have pivoted in, into doing things because they have a friend who's a doctor and now they figured out how to do this. Right. Now they're price gouging. Yeah. I have yeah. 100%. bananas because yeah. those of us who bid, right, I keep stuff on right. file. So I know how much a Purell station cost last mm-hmm. year versus how much it costs now. Mm-hmm. And it's doubled <laughs> by 250%. Seriously. Oh my God. Hand washing stations. I know how much that stuff costs. You right. can buy, get those things for 25 hours. Now they're like <laughs> 150 a pop. Mm-hmm. The big foot pedal ones. $25 yeah. a day. Now they're $150 a day. People are uh, killing the game and making money. I'm not mad at making money, but sure. it's expensive to keep you safe. If you're doing it right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. that's interesting because I just had a bid, the first one since I've been back, go through a cost consult EVP. <laughs> There's a note about every single line number, every single one, and then they slashed and burned the PPE, yep. which in I had not at all, I mean, by any stretch of the imagination, was trying to do anything more than what we would pay, maybe 20% more as a pad. But, I mean, they were just like, why is this all necessary? So there's also because we're in a fucking pandemic, you dipshit who's never been on set and trying to tell me how much things cost. Oh, sorry. That's exact. I I mean, I think verbatim. That's what I said. (laughs) (laughs) That's a line in my, you know, the reply. You know, when you get the cost controller notes and you have to write back. I always, you know, you go by and you do line by line. I have Mm -hmm. to go back and re-edit all the fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) I know. You got to write them out. You got to write them out the first time to get it off your chest. Yes, and then you edit. Then no, I always it. leave one in. I'm just like, nope, can't do that. We need to be safe. Yeah. And that one's still... Well, I know literal <laughs> fuck you, but funny. yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Somebody once said, you write it, write it hot, send it cold. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good yeah. one. Yeah. Right. The other thing that's, that I have learned now, because I'm on a really nicely well-funded television show that mm-hmm. NBC Universal is paying a lot of money for, it's good. the very first show written and produced by Native Americans. So mm. I'm their black girl, right? On the 200-person <laughs> right. crew on the Atlantic right. American I'm female. sure. Mm-hmm. Wow. And there's three guys, two in set and one in transpo that I've seen on our 200-plus crew. But there's a whole lot of Native actors and the, lots of Latinos and a couple of Native or people who have of Native descent who are right. in the producerial roles, which is actually kind of cool. That mm-hmm. is. And she's a woman, the lead head writer. 
Oh, that's rare. But it's very interesting how much testing costs. And I know commercials mm-hmm. aren't doing that. And because they I've are. done this COVID supervising thing and mm-hmm. been paying attention, and we are, NBC has even higher standards than the white paper. So A-Zone people are you testing kind of have five to, times have to because the, the white papers aren't great, but... Well, you know, people who are doing this want to make television and want to make commercials. They don't want to pay attention. So even in my situation, they don't like it. So, yes, you're asked to be the hall monitor for a bunch of babies who are 40 and 50 Mm -hmm. years old. Right. Mm -hmm. And they don't want to wear masks and they're hot and they're tired and all of that. Well, they've not also been directly affected by it where a lot of us have been. So and some Mm -hmm. of them have, too, and still can't get the memo, which is amazing Mm -hmm. to me. But yeah, testing is very expensive. My mm-hmm. friends that I know of aren't really doing it on commercials. And unless you're shooting more than three days, I don't think that anybody's paying for testing for commercial shoots. We I have haven't to seen in New anybody York. doing it. Okay, because they haven't been here that I've Mandates seen. Mandates no. here, there are. And then the two companies I worked for, we had a minor, minor scare on the last job. And both comp and, you know, the company I was working for and then the next company after I explained what the minor scare was are both just like implementing moving forward, always bid for testing everybody before the job. And I was like, great. So you're doing one test then? Yeah, but these are commercials, so they're not more than a couple of days worth of filming. So, yeah, yeah, you test, make sure everybody is good before you start, and then test anybody who's going to be around the talent who has their... Close in, yeah, mm -hmm, close in. Exactly, so camera, AD, director, like that group of people. Hair and makeup, wardrobe, et cetera. Uh Uh-huh, on on set props, yeah. But Mm -hmm. we're just going to scrap that and do everybody moving forward. Which yeah. is great. I was the last job that I was on. It was a four day shoot, and we had over the four days sixty four OCPs and extras. I don't. And so the original <laughs> the original concept was to only test people that were had physical contact in the scene, mm-hmm. which was about eight of them, yeah. not even that six of them. And just the more and more we got into it and got deeper and deeper, and it was Doesn't a football thing. So it was yeah. people yelling, people cheering, people running. You have I, to we, test we, everybody. Yeah, yeah we've, I finally got everybody on board to test the entire 64 talent mm-hmm. since they were the ones on our set not wearing masks and exposing the crew. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get the whole crew tested, but we got all the talent tested, which worked out. Yeah, uh, I have lots yeah. of opinions about it now because of doing this right. and seeing yeah. what the difference is. And I don't think commercials are acting in a safe manner. And it's, not. it's really unfortunate. And I know a lot of incidents that have happened. I mean, there's mm-hmm. been incidents on TV features. We've seen the big ones and Deadspin and all that kind of stuff. Right. We even had an incident. We had one in the very beginning while we were still building. Mm-hmm. And so it didn't really affect a huge amount of people because the, we weren't completely, we weren't shooting. So we weren't staffed up. They were building. So it only really affected the people on the stage who were building. Mm-hmm. And it was very tiny. It was a father-son and two people around them, and that's all we had to deal with, and that was in August. But then since we started shooting, Uh we had the camera operator. We PCR and we rapid, and the PCR test caught it, but, you know, you have to wait on results for PCR tests. Those labs, you know, it's 48, usually it's 72 hours. Mm-hmm. We have we have full on CVS Minute Clinic on half the lots mm-hmm. in the city, so we're using CVS rapid testing. The rapid test didn't pick it up. The PCR results mm-hmm. finally wow. came well, yeah. in, and that's what HR caught and flagged, and that's what stopped us. So we had to quarantine 
six people in addition to the person. One person did actually get sick, but all of them are coming back. Mm-hmm. So wow. they, after 14 days, they've managed to make their way back. So that's been interesting. Rules and TV are very different. I had to learn yes. a lot. Like I they sent are. somebody an email on a Saturday and you thought it was a federal case. They were like, I'm sorry, I don't, we don't do anything. I don't have, why are you talking to me? Why are you emailing me? I had at 2 a.m. I mean, it was like at noon on a Saturday. And right. by 1.30, the EPs were like, I'm so sorry, stand down. We don't, I'm like, whoa, y'all, I'm trying to make sure we don't. Somebody doesn't die on Monday, so you gotta answer my email on a Saturday. I'm sorry, but like that's that was one thing. But yeah, it's it's amazing how expensive it is and how many people are required, you know, to actually do it. Mm -hmm. And there's only really like two or three really good testing companies, though. I'm hearing in Mm -hmm. LA. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of them are only 70% accurate. It just depends on which brand and, you know, yeah. you have to do the, the research Abbott on machines. Test, and, I guess, is yeah, the that. one that CVS mm-hmm. uses and that's 70% accurate. Mm-hmm. And then the PCR tests that we're using are about 80% accurate or mm-hmm. 85% yeah. accurate. You still have this window of possible... Mm-hmm. You know, it's like going outside without your mask. <laughs> yeah, and if they, you know, stopped at Starbucks on the way home from the test... <laughs> and uh, got yeah. coughed on. The Who only knows? thing that saves our bacon is that we test so often. Like I'm an A zone right. person, so I literally test every day that I'm working. Wow. We test five days a week. I do two PCRs and three rapids. You know, when we have access to the rapid, we're not on location because oh. those machines don't move. Is your nose just worn out? I Thank know. goodness I have allergies, so my nose is always running. So there's always plenty of sample. <laughs> <laughs> Here, I save some sample for you. Here's right, exactly. Um, <laughs> But the B-Zone people test PCR once or twice for our group and rapid at least two or three. And then the C-Zone people PCR once a week. I think that's great. That's better than White House is doing. what our people are doing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. White House isn't even doing that much. Oh, God. Can we? uh, I mean. (laughs) I'm not. (laughs) The whole hike up the steps and ripping your mask off because you really can't breathe. The calling in, coughing while you're on the phone with Hannity. Like, I. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) This is gross. I, you know what? I, I can't lie. The night before I said to my boyfriend, I was like, I hope he gets it. I'm praying for it. We'll and then the it, next yeah. day I was like, now I'm praying that he has bad symptoms. And then the next day I'm like, I hope he infects the whole freaking White House. <laughs> they deserve it. Nobody deserves to learn a lesson worse than them. So, yeah. Side note, did you hear Amy Cohen Barron's, the, the school her daughters go to? Massive outbreak. Yeah. Had to yeah. close down. Amy, so this the, is, this the is Supreme huge. Court the sub- weirdo, Justice the, the nominee. handmaid that they want to. The handmaid they, wanna, they want yeah. to. So she had, with. her kids were at her nomination. Yeah. And so they, they super spread it their whole school. Mm-hmm. Allegedly. Well, somebody <laughs> did. Yeah, somebody, somebody did. did. Somebody well, did. you know, he blames the Gold Star families for making him. Oh, sick. I know, but it's they're just so they want to kiss him all the time. I'm like, who wants to kiss you, dude? Nobody's yeah, kissing you. Azira Khan, you know, the, the <laughs> yeah. dad who uh-huh. was like yep. eviscerated in 2000. You know, he was so yeah. he excoriated him on Rachel Maddow mm-hmm. the other day. Like, how mm-hmm. dare you? Yeah. So no, but studio money is uh, allows for us to be the safest, one of the safest industries, I think, to get back to work. They have the money they should be spending it. The exactly. amount of money that we spend on things mm-hmm. that we don't really need because mm-hmm. we're entitled in our industry mm-hmm. versus what we need to keep safe. And I also find it really nice that on the lot, at I work at Paramount's lot, mm-hmm. and it's not that busy on the lot because none of those people need to be there. 
the ones right. who just work in the offices, they're all yep. at home. So there are two shows, NCIS and another show, plus us that are filming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's big <laughs> among <laughs> the seniors, so it's definitely... Right, they'll never <laughs> end. <laughs> show that will never end. <laughs> but those people I hear, they like got on that show and now they're trying to retire. Like Those people will never do anything else. They'll retire after that show. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. You know, you've been on a show yeah. for 10 years, you don't have to work again. You don't right. have to ever work again. It's mm. crazy. Uh, thank you, Sherry, for that chat. Part oh. one only. We've got a whole other part of that. Yeah, it takes me back to those times. I mean, I can remember you know, when I started, we'd just gotten computers <laughs> and how people were bidding by <laughs> by pencil. Uh-huh. So it definitely exactly. takes me back to those times and those people that, you know. She's been around the block. She's the real deal. I know. And I... I know that I've I've received point zeros in the you know <laughs> oh totally back then with her name on it yeah 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 it used and to I was have... like what is Bidzilla yeah I know me this? too me too <laughs> yeah so between the pool noodle and this I've got all my strength back <laughs> in order to handle what I need on set <laughs> good I'm glad we uh, got you back there well Lawrence this show was edited and co-produced by Rob Bloomkey. Artwork and logo design by Christopher Daniels. And our music was composed by Kyle Puccino. It sure was. Thanks for listening, everybody. We're back next week with part two with Sherry Bidzilla. Until then, stay safe, stay connected, make sure your voice is heard. Go vote, check your registration, stay active. Yes, wash your hands, don't touch your face, clean your phone, please clean your phone. I mean, (laughs) and wear a mask, but don't forget your pool noodle. Send us your emails or your voice recordings to producershappyhour at gmail.com. Lawrence, how can people reach you directly? Two different ways. For voiceover work, which is keeping me afloat right now, Christian, voiceoflawrence.com. Producing work, which I still love. LawrenceTLewis.com. What about you? (laughs) SisterChristianProduces.com. Get on me. Get on her. Bye. Bye.